It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right, Last Stand Podcast. I am Brian Custer, where we bring you some of the biggest names in sports, entertainment, and when it comes to college basketball, I tell you, it doesn't get any bigger than our guest. Four Big East Tournament Championships, three trips to the Final Four, two national championships, and both of those titles have come basically in the last four years. He is the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats, also the Associated Press Coach of the Decade. You know him as Jay Wright. We call him GQ Jay Wright. He joins us on the Last Stand Podcast. How you doing, Coach? Hey, B, how are you, man? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So what, what has, first of all, I hope you're well, family is well. What, what has life been like for Jay Wright during this quarantine? Uh, thanks, man. And, and, and same to you, man. I, I hope uh, your family's doing well. I think we all, you know, at this time, you know, we, we all think a little bit more of each other in, in terms, of, in those terms, you know. I'm used to seeing you during the season. You come into the locker room before the game. We're talking about, hey, what do you think about this game, that game, this player? Now it's like, now it's like, how you doing? Is everybody, is the family all right? <laughs> so everybody's, everybody's good here. We're, um, we have three children and uh, two, two are adults, uh, 27 and 25. They're both here with us. They both have their girlfriends here with us. My daughter's a junior in college. She's here with us. So two dogs and a cat, the place is rocking. Um, so we, we're, I mean, it's such a difficult time and you, there's so many people going through so many tough things and, um, you know, especially being close to New York here and Philly's tough and, you know, but we, we've tried to look at the positive for us with it, cherish this time together with our family. We would never have all seven of us together like this for this long a time. So we're enjoying that. How is the, these times different compared to if we weren't in a, a pandemic? What would Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova, be doing just about every day compared to what, you, what your routine is now? Well, you know, it, my, I didn't realize this, but, you know, since I, I got out of college, you know, my whole life has been based on what time of year it is in the basketball schedule, you know, it, you know, are we in preseason practice? Are we in, in season? Are we in spring recruiting? Are we in summer recruiting? You know, are we doing home visits? Everything's based on that as, as, as each day is based on that. Like, what you know, what is it, is it a game day? You know, do you have practice? Are you going recruiting today? You know, so everything you do, every meal you eat, every, what time you wake up is based on that. So it's totally different where, you know, get up at the same time in the morning, we eat breakfast together, we're having family dinner every night. Like, we, you know, we sit down, all right, what time's dinner tonight? So everybody gets their workout in, everyone's working from home, everybody. And we all eat dinner together every night. And um, it's, it's been incredible. You know, it's all those, especially dinner time. It's always been based on like, what time's practice? Do we have a game tonight? You know, am I away recruiting? Or can I get back? Um, so having this time together as a family and eating these meals together is is and and not having it based on our basketball schedules is is totally different lifestyle. You know, I always say that you know sometimes when you have such tragedy, some good things come out of it, and I think a lot of us 
are spending a lot more family time and time that we didn't uh, have in the past and cherishing this because, you know, who knows if we'll ever get these times again. And so that is uh, one of the positives. How, I want to take you back to March. How crazy of an ending of a season was it, especially for Villanova? Because if I'm not mistaken, you guys were in New York City getting ready to play in the Big East tournament. Talk to us and bring us back to how crazy of an ending that was for you all. It was, it was really wild. And, um, you know, as you know, when you're, when you're in it, you're so focused. Um, you, you have a, a unique perspective. And when you get out of it, especially these times, and you look back on it, it's even wilder. Because when we came into New York, I remember coming in <clears throat> on uh, Tuesday and, you know, we're coming up from Philly. We always plan on traffic and getting, and we, we were zipping up there and they get into Manhattan and there's not that much traffic. It was starting, people were starting to social distance, just starting and they were starting to shut some things down and it was kind of eerie driving in there on Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, we go to the awards, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, you know, it's at Madison Square Garden. He gets the, the rookie of the year. And we always stay right on Central Park South. And we're driving down Broadway. Again, we always leave like 40 minutes to get down there. We're getting down there in 15 minutes. There's no, there's hardly any traffic. And kind of saying like, this, this is weird, you know. But then as soon as you get back to the hotel and you get with the team, you're 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 dialed in, right? And then we're gonna we're gonna practice at, at John Jay College. That's where we always practice. And we get a call in the morning. Somebody at John Jay had the virus, and they shut the school down, so you wow. can't practice. So now we got to find it, you know, a gym, and and we find Basketball City, which is like on the on the east side, on on the river, and on the East River. And we go in there, and that place is shut down. There's nobody there, but they let us go in and practice. And they start talking about, all right, we're not going to have fans. So we watch the Wednesday night games. They have fans. All right, Thursday, no fans. So we go to the New York Athletic Club. We walk down the street right there on Central Park South, go to the New York Athletic Club for our walkthrough on Thursday. We're dialed in. We're ready to go. And we were totally dialed in. At that point, you know, the virus is out of your head because you're thinking, we're, we're playing now. We're going through our game day routine. And on when, and we're watching the afternoon games as we're eating lunch. And they say, not playing the second half. It's canceled. So now you got to decide, like, do we stay here in New York? And, you know, my, I got to admit, my first thought was, this is getting eerie here. I want to get out of here. Right. You know, and I didn't know if we could get the bus right away and get back. So we just loaded everybody back. We loaded everybody up. We said, let's just get out of here. That's what it felt like in New York at that time. And again, now you know how bad it is, but you didn't know that back then. You just had an eerie feeling. And we drove back down the Jersey Turnpike. Again, no traffic. You know, we get back to Philly in like an hour and 45. It's usually like, Two fifteen to yep. you know two and a half absolutely, and we're like, man, this is weird. And all the media is waiting for us in Philly, and we get there and they have barricades, so the media stays behind the barricade. We get off the bus. As I'm talking to the media, one of the guys hands me his cell phone and says, "The NCAA tournament's canceled." Wow. So like, Whoa. So then we get with the guys, and I call somebody on at Villanova, and they say, "Look, we're going to make an announcement 
Sunday or Monday, we're, we're closing the school down. So, you know, just so you know that if these guys, so I couldn't tell the guys they're closing that, but I said, look, get all your stuff, go home, mm -hmm. but take everything with you. But I didn't want to tell them we're closing the school down because I didn't want them to be the ones who announce it. So we got everybody home and luckily they got to bring all their stuff with them, but it was bizarre, man. It was a bizarre couple of days. So you, you talked about how generally your life is centered around, you know, games uh, during this time recruiting. How has this pandemic then affected the way you go about recruit? How do you recruit guys when you can't go to their homes and talk to them? You know what, Brian? It's really interesting, man. I, I kind of feel like, you know, in one way, we're, we're, we're doing all these Zoom sessions with our recruits. And um, I don't know, man. It, it's almost like you're getting, you know, my dog will jump into the, you know, jump into the shot once in a while. And it's like you, you, everybody's more relaxed. You know, you're, uh, you're more, uh, you're more human. You know, it's not like they're coming to your school. You're the coach. You're walking around. Everyone's like, hi, coach, hi, coach. You know, you're sitting in your house. They're in their house. In that sense, uh, it, you're connecting pretty well with these guys, you know. But yeah. for us, we, we do a lot of evaluating. Um, our recruiting is more evaluating the player. Like, we will be watching them in the spring and really evaluating to explain to them how they would fit in. And then getting them on campus and evaluating them as as young men and as students, see how they relate to our guys, and that's been that's been a challenge for us that we can't do it that way. Um, now we we're kind of ahead because we don't we didn't have any seniors in last year's class, so we knew we had to recruit the younger guys earlier. So we kind of know who our guys are and we have evaluated them. So we're in a pretty good spot that way but the zoom meetings uh with recruits and their families has really been an interesting part i think it's gonna be something that stays with recruiting yeah i was gonna ask you do you think this will stick going forward i do i really do and i and i know in the end say they're always looking at cost cutting you know those periods where we're doing home visits and stuff you, you could save a lot of money with these these zoom meetings are, are very effective do you think here, because everyone has got to plan now, you, you see all of these sports leagues talking about delayed, some may saying they may not even play until next year. Do you think this will affect the college basketball season upcoming? It, it could, Brian. I, I, I think we have to, I think we have to prepare as if we're going back in the fall. I, I think the summer I know some people talk about maybe getting back on campus for second summer session. I don't see it. I don't see it in metropolitan areas. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe in the Midwest or where it hasn't hit that well yet, but um, you know, here in the Northeast, you, you can't bring people back on campus this summer. Um, so, you know, we've talked to our team about that in terms of, you know, we're going to have to really be focused and, and, and personally disciplined to get ourselves as prepared as we can to come back in the fall. Now, we're preparing for that, but I think we all have to be ready that there's a possibility that might not happen too. And one of the things I've thought about, you know, as a coach and talked to our staff about is, 
you know, we, even if we have to go back to the old school, start on October 15th and have a totally different preseason than we're used to having, then, you know, we have to be prepared for that. Um, worst case scenario right now, and as we know, everything's fluid, it could get worse. I think worst case scenario right now, impossible, is that you start January 1st with conference play and you don't play preseason. That, that's worse. That's worse. Because if they move the football season, if they have to move the football season back, and you know there's only so many windows on TV where they can fit things and, and, and for, for, for whatever reason, if the football season's going longer, they might start the basketball season later. I think we have to at least think that's a possibility. What do you think about playing then in small crowds to no crowds? You know, I, I think for the players and the coaches, I, I don't think that's a big deal. Like we, of course, we love playing in the big crowds and live for it. But a few, some years ago, I don't know how many now, you know, we started these scrimmages where um, you can, you know, scrimmage another team and no one can be in the stands. And I always would come out of those scrimmages and I would say like, man, if anybody could have seen this, like, you know, like last year, we're down at North Carolina, and it's a bloodbath, you know. Or the year before, we're at Virginia, and Villanova's playing Virginia, and, and it is, a, you know, it, it turns out that year they won the national championship that year. And, you know, we, we won the Big East championship. The, the scrimmage was, oh, my God, killing each other. It, and, 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 you know, we, I think we played like – six quarters you know so it was longer than a regular game a fan and I remember coming out and like a fan would die to see this <laughs> so the players and coaches are gonna it, it's not gonna affect us at all we're, we're we're gonna you put us on the floor and it's proven and everybody in the NCAA knows this because we we go through these scrimmages it is proven you put us in a gym against each other we're gonna go at it and and maybe if they can do that for tv I think people will still appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know you got to be happy. You talked about uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, he's coming back. You know, he, he kind of tested the NBA waters, uh, but he's coming back. I know Sadiq Bey is still, you know, seeing what his options are. I mean, it, it seems like Villanova basketball is going to be locked and loaded once again uh, this upcoming season. We, we have an experienced team. We, we could have a good team. And, and you know, as you say, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, coming back um, is really important for us. Last year was a, a unique year for us, uh, having no seniors, you know, and um, we started the season at Ohio State and we looked like a young team with no seniors. We, we looked bad. But by the end of the year, you know, Big East champions and top I mean, number 10 in the country, and, and we were really playing good basketball at the end. We were fired up. So uh, Jeremiah coming back is big. Um, and, and it's interesting the way you said he kind of tested the waters because it was – he. He was going to go through the process, but, you know, it's funny that he's such a, a unique kid. He said, Coach, I, I'm probably going to come back, but I, if I get a chance to go play against these guys, I just want to play to play. You know, like I, I don't if, – if someone tells me – you know, if I play and someone tells me I'm going to be a first-round pick and a lottery pick, all right, I got to go. But, but I love college, and I want to go compete against these guys. So once he saw that that wasn't going to happen, you, they're not going to have the combine, he's like, hey, I'm – I'm good. I was just going to work out. He just loves to compete. And then Sadiq, um, 
you know, I, I think he's leaning towards going and rightfully so, but it's so hard to get him any information now. So, you know, he, he's, he, he really is just trying to see what's, what's happening. I think once the NBA sets up their schedule, then they can start determining when they're going to make decisions on the draft. You know, right now, you know, I don't know if the, the draft isn't going to be on the 25th, it looks like, correct? Right. Exactly. So they don't have to make any decisions yet. So it's hard for him to really get anything definitive. Um, but I think he's capable. I think he should be a first round pick. And, and I know he's capable of being successful. So he'll, he'll wait this out and, and, and try to get as much info he can, as he can before he makes his decision. As successful as you have been, as Villanova has been in this program, and you heard Robinson Earl, you know, just wanted to see what it's like. Why have you never had any one and dones? And all the great players you've had, why have you never had any one and dones? Guys tend to, tend to stay there at Villanova, whether it's two years, three years, four years. Uh, we try, man. We recruit them. <laughs> we try. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's more the kind, the kind of guys that choose us, you know, our as we were talking about earlier, our recruiting is, um, is more us explaining, you know, us telling the recruit, like, look, you, you could, you could go to Duke, Kentucky, can't you're, you're good enough. So you, you just got to pick where do you want to go through this process of, of developing yourself as a, as a young man, as a student, as a person, as a player, how do you want to do it? And, and then this, we show them, this is how we do it. So the guys, they, they pick us, you know, and a lot of them don't pick us, but they pick us and, they, and what they're picking is like, hey, I want to be a good student. I want to grow emotionally in terms of my emotional intelligence and I want to develop as a player. Um, if, if I do that, and Sadiq Bey is a great example. Sadiq Bey, his mom is a, high school principal in DC, she's all about him getting his degree. If I do that and, and I do such a great job that at the end of my second year, I'm a first round pick, then I have a tough decision to make. And the reason it's a tough decision is because I like college. I wanna stay, but business-wise, I might have to go. We want everybody to be in that situation. And, um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo was that way. You know, he, he never started for us. You know, and he loved college. And he was going to be like, you know, a mid-first-round pick, so he had to go. You know, um, Mikhail Bridges was that way. Mikhail Bridges, after his junior year, he loved it at school, you know. And, um, you know, I used to bust the chops. He had a girlfriend that was on the lacrosse team. She was younger, and I was like, I know you really don't want to leave. You just don't want to leave her. <laughs> he knew he was going to be a lottery pick, and he really had another year, and he would have loved it. But – you know, just business-wise, it was the right thing to do. So we, we get those kind of guys. They choose us. We're, we're very, very fortunate to be able to coach those kind of guys. Well, we, we've seen here this spring some of the top players that were supposed to come to college have decommitted and all of a sudden now are going to the G League uh, because they're getting offered $500,000, $250,000 to go play in the G League. Do you think that's going to be a game-changer for college basketball? I, I do. I well, I don't know if you could call it. It's going to change the, the, the recruiting process, and I, I think for the good. I think it's a really good thing. Um, for so many years, Brian, 
you know, everybody criticizes the NCA and, and we, we, the NCA, we're act, it's, it's a bunch of academicians running a huge sports business. And the NBA is the best sports marketing machine in the world. And maybe one of the best marketing machines of any business. And, and the NCA is the worst in marketing what we do and what we're all about. Um, because the reason so many problems are happening in the NCA is, is that the NBA isn't taking these guys out of high school. So you have guys that don't want to go to college and they have to when really they would rather go to the G League or they would rather go to the NBA and it, it hasn't been an option for them or a realistic option. So I think this is great because I think there's a lot of guys that would like to take that path, like, like baseball players who take the path through the minor leagues. The next thing that's really important is I think the Players Association and the NBA have to pass the rule that these guys can come out of high school and be eligible for the draft so that the top players can go. And the next thing the NBA has to pass, it's the NBA, it's not college, is that if these guys, if we, if we don't take them out of high school, let's say, let's say we, we're going to take them out of high school, we're going to offer them the G League and this good money in the G League. If they stay in college, we're not going to take them until after their second or third year. That's got to be, it's an NBA rule, not an NCAA rule. So we need the NBA to help us with this. And I think this is a good start. This G League uh, option is a really good start. The all-natural B1 patch from USA Natural may be just what you're looking for. And listen, uh, I use it as well. All you got to do is stick it on, peel it, stick, and just in a few minutes, you feel the B1 vitamin, the thiamine. It boosts your immunity, uh, immune system, gives you focus, gives you energy. If you're into working out like myself, it's going to help you recover a lot better. Visit buyb1.com and enter the code BC3 for a discount on every order. Wear what the pros wear, the all-natural B1 patch. Let me follow up on that. Um, what about then, are we at the point from a college basketball standpoint, paying players, since they're starting to make some money off their likeness, what about paying players? I, it, it, a lot of it is uh, semantics now, right? So paying players, I don't think will ever happen. I don't think the schools will ever pay the players. I, I think what we need to do here is figure out a way that they can use their name, image, and likeness if it's being offered for them to make money off of that outside of, outside of playing college basketball, um, that they can do that. Um, you know, run clinics in the summer, uh, sign autographs, um, be a spokesman for, um, you know, a, a business. If they can do, if we can do that, I, I think that's a, that's a good thing. I, st I still think it's got to be coupled with the NBA allowing, you know, these guys to come out of high school and then pro protecting them and not taking them until two or three years in college. But I, I think it's something we should have done 10, 15 years ago gradually. We got to, again, this is where I said, the NCA is run by academicians, not business people. It should have been done 10, 15 years ago. Now we got ourselves in a bad spot where it's going to get thrown at us. We're going to have to deal with some, some problems probably early, but I think we'll figure it out. And I, th I think it's a good thing. 
But I think in the big picture, we got to get to the point where guys that are playing in college want to be students. They want to be in college. They want to be educated. And then they want to go be pros. Guys that don't want to be college can make a good living, can go to the G League, and or go right to the NBA, and they have that option. Right now, those worlds are muddled, and, and, and it's, it's, it, I, I don't think it's helping the NBA because they got too many young players playing in there that aren't ready. And it's hurting college basketball, some of these, some of the scandals we're seeing, and a lot of the, the public criticism that, that the NCAA gets. So I want to talk about you because, as I said at the top, Associated Press named you the uh, coach of the decade. ESPN recently did a list of the best college basketball hires over the last 25 years. Jay Wright was number two. Um, In your opinion, what makes Jay Wright a great basketball coach? Is it the X's and O's? Is it his feel of a game? In your opinion, what makes Jay Wright a great basketball coach? Uh, interesting question. I don't think, honestly, I don't think I'm a, a great basketball coach. And, and, and you know this, Brian, from all the guys you see. Like, I'll go to a high school game, and I'll, I'll see guys, and, I, and I'll be like, hey, that guy's a great coach. Like, he's a better coach than me. Um, doing the, the, world, the World Cup this past summer, being with Steve Kerr and Popovich and and, and, you know, seeing the coaches um, from the other teams, like the Australian coach, coach from France, guys, you know, you don't ever heard of them. You're, and you're watching film when you're competing. You're saying, like, that guy's a great coach. I think what, what I am very blessed to have experienced is um, I'm a good coach at a place that's perfect for me where – my personal mission as a coach fits the university's mission. Like I really look at, at myself as, as an educator. Uh, you know, I really love the education part of this. It's w- what I love about being in college. Um, you know, everybody doesn't see that part of it. I love the guys that um, like, like last two nights ago, or last night or two nights ago, our guys from 16, our guys from 18 team, Somehow, I have nothing to do with this. Put together a virtual game with eSports. They played against each other. They raised money for Phil Abundance, which is a, a food bank here in Philadelphia. They put it all together. I had nothing to do with it. Raised close to $30,000. And it was done by – it was set up by a couple of our walk-ons who are really brilliant guys. Like, I, I like that as much as I like our guys going to the NBA. You know, and, and so I think what we see of my career is just the perfect match of my coaching philosophy and mission and the school's mission. I think that's probably one of the reasons why so many people like you. Uh, humility, uh, I think, is uh, one of your huge assets. Um, so in, law, in that line, then, in your opinion, who is the best coach in college basketball right now? When you watch, you say, man, that guy can do it. Who, who is, in your opinion? You know, there's, as you know, there's a lot. Tony Bennett is a great coach. You know, um, we're talking about those scrimmages. I would always say to him every year, man, I, I love scrimmaging you guys because we come out of those games. I know, all right, all of our weaknesses were exposed. I know what we got to work on. Um, <laughs> 
he, he's, he's outstanding. And Coach K, you know, what, there, there's some interesting things. Like what he does um, with young guys and, you know, getting those freshmen. And you got to put John Calipari in that category. Um, I really admire what, how they're able to build a team so quickly. And I watched Coach K, you know, when he coached the USA team, I was a small, small part of that staff. Watched him. Um, there's so much more to those guys than you see, you know, just on TV. They're really bright, really bright, and, and really, really good X and O guys, too. I always say uh, the one thing about being uh, a great uh, leader, uh, being a great coach, is having success. But the, the really, really good ones are able to sustain that success. And that's exactly what you've done at Villanova. I think this will be really good for people, no matter what field they're in to hear this, what advice can you give, give them on how do you sustain success? Uh, we're still in the middle of it. So I, I could blow this, uh, you know, cause it, you, you know, the, the longer it gets, it gets going, the harder, you know, the more you want to keep it going because you value it so much, um, the more you don't want it to end. Um, so you, you fear, you know, you fear that, that ending or you fear eventual failure. And I think that's really the key to it is it's going to end. It's a run in sports. Uh, there's going to be some fail failure. You can't fear failure. You, you, you have to, and usually when you have a lot of success, what does failure affect the most? Your ego, right? Uh, as you get successful, your ego becomes your greatest enemy. And you have to stay true to keeping the culture you built alive. If keeping that culture strong, if keeping that culture strong, is if you do that and you fail, you have to be willing to accept that. But if you lose the culture, if you lose the culture and you fail, that's on you. Mm. You know, you, the only thing you can do is try to try to maintain the culture and be true to your core values. You have to know it's going to end. It's going to end at some time. And and you can't be afraid of that. You can't make decisions just to keep it going because then you're, you're definitely going to fail. Hmm. Um, I was reading this, man, and it blew me away, Jay, because I didn't even know this, but uh, you it, apparently like a year ago when UCLA was looking for a coach, they offered to double Jay Wright's <laughs> salary. Uh, and you would have been the second highest paid coach, almost $8 million behind Coach K, and you said no and stayed at Villanova. Jay, why? 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 What, what is it about Nova that's like, okay, I got to stay here, but for $8 million, Jay, I would have been in L.A., kicked up, feet up, coaching them Bruins. Why'd you stay? What is it about Nova that you love? Well, first of all, I, I, I get paid really well, don't know, so I don't want to make it like I'm that, uh, you know, th that crazy or, um, uh, you know, that altruistic. Uh, Villanova is very generous to me and my family. Uh, 
But um, it's like I said earlier, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm that great of a coach that, you know, if you go put me anywhere, you know, I'll just make it happen. I, I think, I, I think we have a, you know, a good mix here where, you know, I want to, I want to graduate players. You know, I, I don't know about other schools if I'm able to do that. I know Villanova is going to do everything they can with me to help us graduate these guys. That's what Villanova wants to do. You know, I want our guys to be a part of this campus community. I want them to grow as men. Villanova does everything to help me do that. I know that this allows me to really do what I want to do with my life. Now, we make a lot of money, but that's not what I got in it for. I got in it to educate young men and try to help teach them and, and to coach basketball, you know, and to make and build teams. And I know we can do that here. So I don't want to give that up. I think you've asked me before about the NBA and it's, it's the same thing. It's like, I, if I, if I ever found somewhere I knew we could like, we could affect guys' lives. We could build a culture where we, we can compete night in and night out and people are going to respect that. Um, then, then maybe you'd look at it, but we have that at Villanova. Like I, I love that, like our fans truly, like they want to win. You know, we get some crazy ones, but as long as our guys are growing and they're representing university well and they're part of the campus community and they're graduating, our fans are fine. You know, you got some crazies to get mad if we're not in the top 10 or something, but 95% of them, they love what Villanova stands for. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, no matter whether it was in, I even still hear from people from Hofstra who just cry because they said Jay Wright left us. We were, we were there and Jay Wright left and now he took it on and did great things at Villanova. So I would have said that was it. the same place though. We had the same thing going there. I would have been, I would have been good there. If no one ever came and got me, I would have been good there. But Villanova was home. My wife's a Villanova grad and I'm a Philly guy. It was, it was home. All right. So you, you talked about the NBA. John Beeline, who was a great coach at Michigan, and everyone, when he got hired, was like, oh, this is a great hire for these young calves and things of that nature. He makes the transition, and he didn't even last half the season there in Cleveland. So why does it seem like whenever coaches from the, the college ranks make that transition to the league, it doesn't go well? Yeah. You know what, Brian? I, I – I don't have the – I have my ideas, but I agree with you. Like, I, I thought John Beeline was going to be – he is such a great X and O guy, and he's so good with people. I thought he was good. I thought that was a great hire. And they were a young team. Um, so, you, like, I don't know what happened with the front office, but you, you got to – the one thing everybody tells me about the NBA, and, 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 you know, we know all the same guys. And, I, you know, having coached with, with Pop and – and, and all those guys last summer, you know, you, you have to, there has to be a connection with the general manager, the president, general manager, owner, and the coach. And you got to be on the same page of what is our plan, right? And you got to be on the same page. Now, in, in big time college athletics, it's actually the same way. And I, I never really thought of it until I talked to the NBA guys about it. But you're, if you're going to be successful, again, it's why you say you don't leave Villanova. Your president, your athletic director, and your head coach better be on the same page. Because if you're not, the big-time schools are, and they're going to they're gonna beat you. And 
we do have that ability of our president's great. Our AD is awesome. And I, I think that's what happens. Like college guys get in there and, and maybe um, Brad Stevens is the guy I, I think that's done the best job of that, right? And if you yep. look at it, I don't know the owner of the Celtics, but I know Danny Ainge. And I, I remember when he made that hire, I know those two were just – they were together on what the plan was. And you've seen they've hit some rocky roads, and those two stick together on the plan. I think it's, I think it's more that. And, and I think it, it's not just that college guys aren't successful. I think a lot of guys aren't successful in the NBA. If you don't get that connection, owner, president, general manager – and coach and where does the player because you know at nova hey look you're the ceo and so what you say goes then all of a sudden you get to the nba and you get these rosters and some of these guys got max contracts 30 million they're looking at you like hey man they're gonna get rid of you before they're gonna get rid of me <laughs> so so how did is it that they don't that the coaches don't take that 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 relationship with the players uh take that under consideration what's the disconnect there well, I think, you know, when you look at the successful organizations, you know, if you, if you look at the Spurs, you know, they, they know, you know, Pops, they're not getting rid of that, you know, they're, they're not getting rid of that guy. And it's Pop with the owner. And you look at when Phil Jackson is, you know, wherever Phil Jackson has been. And, um, you know, that it, it was that relationship. And, and, and those guys know when they take the jobs, like a Phil Jackson or um, – Steve Kerr, like you know who the the main player is, and there's an there's an understanding there that we're in this together, right? What what once you you know a lot of college guys have gotten that they get the young teams, right? And then they get when the young stars start to develop, they are more important than that than that coach at that time. And if you're not on the same page, it's going to blow up. Like they never give the college coach the the Lakers job with LeBron James, you know. It, so it, there's a lot of so many dynamics in in pro sports. Um, it's interesting. A lot of the college guys going to the NFL haven't been as successful either. You know, it's 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 um it's it's a real interesting phenomenon. I, I think a lot of times it's 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 the relationship they get into with the owner you know, the owner and the GM. And in light of that, because as you pro you've talked about, you've coached with Pop, you've coached with uh, Steve Kerr, you've, you've been the assistant on these Olympic teams. So you've been with the Le LeBrons and you've been with everybody. Uh, do you think that when your time comes or you make that decision that your transition will be easier because you've already developed such a relationship with the even the top players in the league that even the younger players in the league will look at you and say, oh, well, shoot, if he's boys with LeBron, yeah, I got to respect this guy and play for this guy. Well, that's one of the interesting things, you know, about coaching these guys in the summer. You know, we were supposed to be the, – the, the Olympic team we were supposed to have this summer. It's um, – I, I, learned, I learned a lot of – I learned a lot of lessons, you know, last summer coaching these guys. Just being in drills on the floor, you know, you know me throwing a little college uh, – toughness at a guy and him coming back at me and pop watching the drill laughing at me you know it was it was um it was good but the the guys the nba guys are so 
they're so the players are so smart and in in every aspect as x and o wise basketball wise business wise branding they're so smart it's i was amazed this summer and you you have to be on top of every little every little thing you do from the way you relate to them off the court to the way you talk to them on the court you better have your x's and o's down you like i I was doing a scout for the Turkey team and uh, you know, I, I don't know all the NBA guys and I mispronounce a guy's name and you know, Marcus smarts like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, I called, I was doing the, uh, uh, the Greece scout, you know, and I said, Giannis and one of the guys said, yo coach, it's, it's Giannis. You know, <laughs> like, like they don't miss, they don't miss anything, man. They, so, I'm still learning to deal with those guys. It's, um, it, it, it's, I'll tell you, another coach on our staff, Lloyd Pierce, you know, is kind of like yeah. the, the next generation with those guys. Really bright guy, really smart. How he, I, I learned a lot from how he coaches those guys kind of different. You know, Steve, Steve was like a former player with the, you know, all the NBA championships, pops, pop. And then got Lloyd, the young, you know, up and coming guy, and really really bright, technologically savvy. Um, I'm still learning a lot about coaching those guys. and I'm, I'm missing that this summer. Wow. Um, so then uh, at least then as we wrap it up on your, your career and you, I know you've probably talked with, uh, with this with your wife. When do you know it's time? When do you know? And I'm sure, listen, y- y- we all like challenges. And, and I would think for you, the next challenge is the NBA. I know there was rumors about the Knicks were, were uh, wanting you early in the year, things of that nature. Have you talked to your wife about when that next step is? Have you thought about when is the time? Do, is it a feeling you get that? And, and when do you see you yourself coaching in the NBA? You know, I, I'd, I'd like to um, give the impression to everyone that I got my act totally together and I have a plan for that. <laughs> But I, you know what, you know, you would think when you're younger in your career, you know, you know, when you're younger, you're an assistant, it's easy to say like, all right, I want to be a head coach. Like, you know, you got a plan. And then you get to be a head coach and you're in it for a while and you're enjoying it and um, opportunities come your way. And it's not so, it's not so easy and it's not so clear cut, you know? And um, as we were talking about earlier, the, the one thing I know is I, I really enjoy coaching here. I really enjoy what I have here. I watch everything that happens. I watch John Beeline, you know, as I, you know, we were just talking about like when I'm watching pop and Steve Kerr and Lloyd Pierce each doing it in a different way. I'm watching them coach these guys. I'm like, can I do that? You know, great. You know, I would yell at a guy on a bench one time and come back at me and Steve Kerr would just say, Hey, welcome to the NBA. You know? <laughs> and it, it's, um, you're in college, they're not saying anything back to you. So I, I, don't, I really don't have an answer. I, I, Jim Valvano had a great line. Uh, you know, he said he should have nev- never left Iona. He should have stayed at Iona and not gone to NC State. He said, he told me this one time, he said, if you get a great place, you love where you're coaching, don't mess with happy. You know, and, and so I'm, I'm very happy here. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to mess with it. That's great. All right. So listen, we get a number of questions. We let people who listen to the podcast ask our guest questions. We got so many for you. So I had only to pick the, the best ones here that I thought were really interesting. I'll start with Calvin from Facebook. He says, I think you're a great coach and recruiter. I even bought my boys your book. 
what is your go-to tool, method, or speech when you're trying to seal the deal on a five or four star high school recruit? That's a, that's a great question. It I, is. I'm not, cause I'm not, I, my assistants would tell you I'm a terrible recruiter because they go find these guys and, and they get great relationships with them. Then they bring them into me and I sit down and I start grilling them with questions. And they're like, they're like, come on coach. Like, but my, my go-to is, is really, is really, do you want, do it's me asking them, do you really want this? Like, I want you to be the best man, the best student, and the best player you can be. And I want you, I want you to be committed to that every day. You're not going to be perfect, but that's what we're going to be working on. That's what I'm going to hold you to every day. And I'm not expecting you to be perfect, but I want you to be committed that, do you really want that? And uh, I, I think if I can get that through to somebody, that's really what it is at Villanova every day. They, they decide on their own, you know, whether, whether they really want to be there or not. But, it, but if they pick that, you got a great dude, yeah. and, and we have been blessed. Like I say it all the time, we're blessed with having the best guys to coach, but it, it's because they, they really choose us. Uh, Rob from Facebook asks, uh, when looking for a player, where do you begin your search? What part of the country do you concentrate on? Uh, oh, it's Philly. You know, it's, <laughs> we, we really do. We start in Philly and then <laughs> – and then gradually move out. You know, there's so many players, just the, the density of population in the Northeast. There's so many players. And, and I've said a number of times that the Northeast to me in basketball is like the Southeast in football. You know, in the Northeast, it's basketball season all year round. You know, in, in, the, North, in the Southeast, it's football season all year round, you know? And so we, we do stick in, in the Northeast. It doesn't mean there aren't a lot of great players in other parts of the country, just that, um, there's just so many right here. It, it, it doesn't pay to go out, you know, that far out. Um, you know, we got like Jalen Brunson from Chicago. We had um, James Bell from Florida, but they all have like Jalen Brunson grew up in the Philly area. James Bell has all his relatives in New Jersey. It, it all comes back to being connected to Philly. Hey, I'm curious. Is it Philly, New York, best hoopers to come out of which, which area? I'll tell you what, man. You know where it is right now? I, I hate to say this, D.C. Mm. D.C. right now, D.C. high school basketball right now. Now, Philly's great and New York's great, but D.C. is on fire right now. They have so many good teams, so many good AU programs, and, and good students, too. It's, wow. Um, it's, it's All right, a we'll get you out of here with a segment, we, our last segment of this podcast. We call it The Last Stand, Jay. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Jay Wright. I want the first thing that comes to your mind. Not the second, not the third, the first thing. Are you ready? All right, man. Okay. If you weren't a hoop coach, what would be your profession right now? Stockbroker. Oh, I see. You with the suits and all? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, you won the NCAA title 2016. You won it in 2018. Which team was better? I can't, I can't, I can't do that. That's my, <laughs> that's my first answer. You said first thought. I can't do that. <laughs> okay. How about this one? What is your NBA dream job? If the NBA said, came to you and said, 
Jay Wright, you name the team, you got it. We're going to give you the job. You get everything you want. What's your NBA dream job? Sixers or Knicks. Okay. Uh, best player you've ever coached? I can't do that. I can't. But, you, you know, I'll, t I'll give you one that J.R. Ryder, when I was assistant at UNLV, okay. was so dominant at that time. It, it was incredible. Like, still maybe the most talented guy I ever coached was J.R. Ryder. Talented. Yeah. People forget about Easy Ryder. Easy Ryder could go in his day. You're right about that. All right. What school do you love beating the most? I, I, don't, have, I don't have that school. Um, I, you know what? Because I never think about – I never think about us beating somebody. I always think about us playing our best. So I really don't. Um, so I, like, I don't, I don't think of it that way. Like my, I love road wins in the Big East. That's my okay. favorite type of win. Okay. And then last but not least, give me your Mount Rushmore of Big East coaches. Ah, uh, awesome. Uh, Roland Massimino. How many guys on Mount Rushmore? Got four of them. Four? I was going to say five. <laughs> right, that's how bad I am. Um, Roly Massimino, John Thompson, Louis Carnesecca, Jim Beheim. Nice. Jay Wright, I, I could spend the entire day talking to you. That's how much I enjoy it. I know before the game, you're like, man, get out of here, because we sit in that, that locker room. You're a hoop junkie, man. You're a hoop time. junkie. I love talking to you, too. Man, I really appreciate that. That's what we do here on the Last Stand podcast. We bring you the biggest names in sports. Jay Wright, continued success to you, my friend. And folks, make sure you listen to the Last Stand podcast. We'll see you next week.